Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Hello, my name is Kelly Brownell. I'm the director of the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity at Yale University. Our guest for this podcast is Jane Martin, who is executive manager of alcohol and obesity policy at Cancer Council Victoria in Australia. And there she leads the Obesity Policy Coalition, a partnership between Diabetes Australia Victoria, Cancer Council Victoria, the Victorian Health Promotion Foundation, and the World Health Organization Collaborating Center for Obesity Prevention. Welcome, Jane. Thank you, Kelly. We're going to talk about two issues here, food pricing and how that might be woven into public policy, and then also the issue of food marketing. So let's start with pricing. Um, What sort of things are you and your colleagues talking about in this domain? Well, we've had quite a lot of discussion around reform of our tax system in Australia, and we have a goods and services tax that applies um, to most products and services, but it doesn't apply to fresh food and some cereals and things like that, some breads and and that kind of thing. So uh, there has been a discussion about reforming the tax system. There's been some discussion about putting the GST across all all food, including fresh food. And of course, that's something that we don't want to see. But like in other countries, the real price of processed food is, is not increasing at the same rate as some of the fresh foods. So that's a concern around affordability uh, of food. And of course, we've seen um, what's been happening in the rest of the world around tax and pricing strategies to support healthy eating and discourage unhealthy eating. So the idea would be to take a tax and differentially apply it to parts of the food supply so that some things are taxed and others are not. it's pretty easy to guess what sort of things that you'd like to remain untaxed, fresh fruits and vegetables, fresh food and things like that, whole grains, I'm assuming. What sort of things would you believe should be taxed? Well, we haven't had a nutrition survey since 1995. So unlike Denmark, who taxed the the foods that were contributing most of the saturated fat into the diet, uh, we're not sure exactly what people are eating. However, we do know from limited um, surveys that people are eating, uh, consuming too much added sugar and too much processed food. Um, And the marker for that is salt. Um, For example, with children or children over the age of two in our children's survey, which has been done, uh, we're eating too much salt. So that's a marker for for processed food. And we know that what we call extra foods in the diet um, are are a real problem. And we know that um, a lot of those foods have not increased at the same rate as other foods, so they're becoming cheaper over time. So they're the kinds of foods we'd like to target, snack foods, foods that aren't an essential part of an an everyday diet that are being over-consumed in our country. Are the discussions far enough along to have created definitions for what would be taxed in that? Uh, There is some interest around sugary drinks. Uh, There has uh, been quite a lot in the press. Every time another country does something, we get very uh, a lot of interest in the press and it can uh, be quite inflammatory because people get quite excited about tax. Uh, so that's, that has created some discussion. So far, the government hasn't shown any interest. We're not in an extremely tight fiscal situation. We're not in a, you know, things aren't fabulous and there are cuts going on, but uh, we're not uh, like the UK or the US where I, I imagine uh, it does create an incentive to try and find some funding. Um, have there been discussions about specific criteria that might be applied to foods for what could be taxed and not? 
Well, the discussion, and it's mainly been in the press, uh, coming from what's been happening overseas, has been around uh, products that are are being overconsumed. So they're things like uh, highly processed foods, foods that are high in fat, salt, sugar, and um, sugary drinks, because there's been a lot of uh, work around that. I know you've done a lot of work, and there's a lot of interest in that kind of thing. Uh, and you know, we're very keen uh, to see some of these mechanisms put in place. But as I said, we're not exactly sure what people are eating until we get the results of a, uh, a survey that's been done nationally with adults. Uh, we should get those results soon because the last survey was done in 1995. You and know, I, The question I'd like to ask is in the US, the, I'm curious about the way the press has dealt with this in your country because sure. you, you mentioned the press. In the US, when the issue of taxes, especially um, particularly on soda, um, has come up, the initial press was some, was fairly negative, and there was outcry and things like that. And then as time has gone on and there's been more and more press, the idea seems to be becoming more normative, and the objections seem to be fewer. It's not that there are none, but mm. there, there seem to be fewer, and people kind of get it. They understand the idea in the general public. Is there any sign of that taking place in Australia? We haven't had um, a huge backlash uh, we've done some public opinion survey which has shown high public support if some of the money is used for, uh, if you tax sugary drinks and use some of the money to um, reduce the price of healthy food. So have a two-pronged approach and that's what we think would work best and that's where the evidence seems to lie. But there hasn't been hysteria. It's been really interesting and unlike in the US, we have had um, some programs in early childhood and in schools around reducing sugary drink consumption, but we haven't had any social marketing campaigns to date. Uh, so I think it's interesting in the, in the absence of, um, a, you know, good hard-hitting campaigns about, about the problem that there isn't that uh, backlash. But, you know, as you know, things can change quite quickly and industry can intervene and um, reframe the discussion. But I don't think we are quite... Uh, there with the discussion yet, and and so far, I think it's been fairly positive. Uh, It'll be interesting, interesting to track that and see where it goes with time. Mm. Uh, let's turn our attention, if you don't mind, to the issue of food marketing, because I know you and other public health advocates in Australia mm. have uh, thought a lot about this issue, and there's been a good bit of work going on. Um, could you set the stage and and say what's happened in in Australia? Yes, this has been a very fraught. Uh, area We've been working on it since we were established in 2006. It's one of our key priorities. And what we have been doing is trying to uh, encourage regulation uh, by all jurisdictions, uh, state and federally, to control food marketing. It is a huge problem. There's a lot of advertising on free-to-air television, but also new media, which is really concerning because parents aren't there overseeing it. And what we've seen, industry's response as the pressure has gone on and as a big um, national re uh, review um, around prevention recommended that um, controls be introduced to protect children and adults um, up to nine o'clock at night on free-to-air television, but also to get rid of cartoon characters, popular personalities and some of the other techniques used to market to children. Industry has responded to that by... Um, increasing the amount of self-regulation which has just increased the complexity and it hasn't really 
protected children where they're being exposed to and by a lot of marketing and advertising. So it really, children are protected to some degree um, in those after school hours, but it's only about an, an hour a day, um, which isn't very much considering. And, and where um, companies are targeting children on television, for example, is during peak viewing time in the evening and in the most popular children's programs. So it's very difficult for a member of the public to navigate this self-regulation because it relies on complaints from the general public and there's different nutrient criteria that are applied and a myriad of complexities and no sanction. So even um, around self-regulatory guidelines for best practice, it doesn't meet those guidelines because there aren't sanctions and you do need a carrot and a stick. I mean, it's fine for industry to self-regulate if it, if it does reduce children's exposure, which should be the aim of it, and if there's sanctions for lack of compliance and that it applies across the board. And some of these new um, self-regulatory um, codes that industry have developed uh, they only apply to companies that sign in, so they're not across the board. So some companies don't have to uh, do it. So the the claim that industry might make, I'm assuming, is that we will voluntarily change our practices such that children are exposed to fewer um, a- advertisements that promote unhealthy food. Um, has, has anybody studied the extent to which the industry self-regulation is having a positive impact or not? Yeah, it's been the subject of a number of studies over the period, um, not an entire study over the you know three years or whatever, but there has been snapshots and it was re- recently looked at by our National Media and Communications Authority who said there was no evidence that there'd been a decline in children's exposure, despite industry saying advertising to children has virtually ceased. And uh, there have been a number of um, studies done, particularly through um, New South Wales and and Cathy Chapman's group in the University of Sydney, Bridget, um, who found that um, there's been no change. And that's really concerning for us because that's where the problem lies. That's what's driving demand and and, and that's that's where we need to, to make change. Do you have any sense of where public opinion is on this? We've done uh, public opinion surveys uh, and we've we've just completed another one and public opinion is very, very high and that's not just our survey which shows that that's across the board, incredibly high. You know, 90%, 85 to 90% support um, from consumers for, um, for change and it's very, very consistent. So it's clearly the influence of um, industry and media and sports and all the players who are benefiting from from this marketing, uh, but there's very high parental concern and, and concern at large. So I think, and, and high interest by the media, um, interestingly. So media, are, although they take the advertising, they are prepared to um, editorialise about the issue as well. Uh, so that's uh, been interesting. So at least the, the issue, to try and keep the issue alive, we have been able to do that in the media. Right, so the picture you've painted thus far is that industry is recognizing this public opinion and feeling pressure and they do what typically happens in these cases is that they try to self-regulate. You say that research has shown that the self-regulation is being ineffective and kids are still exposed to large amounts of this marketing. Um, Does government seem to have the interest to change things? Uh, We have a government um, that is the the party that is likely to be interested. We've had um, 
We do have a minor party who's put up legislation, uh, the Greens, and that's been rejected. That was a private member's bill. But there's not a huge appetite to regulate by, um, by government, and it's likely if we have a change of government that they'll be even more conservative. I think the thing is to keep the focus on industry and on their advertising and marketing practices. So we do quite a lot of that to show that because people, especially politicians, they don't watch very much television. They're not exposed to the kind of things that children are being exposed to. They've got no idea. Often parents have got no idea what's going on, particularly with apps and things like that. So we're going to continue to raise those issues. And privacy is a very powerful issue as well. McDonald's has just again been... we, we, we we're talking about the um, email to a friend that the, you can do through the McDonald's website, that viral marketing, and that's now been stopped. Our communications and media authority has said that those kinds of practices should be stopped and McDonald's have said that they've stopped it. Um, and those kinds of small things are quite important um, and I think we need to be a bit creative about which parts of government might be able to do what. Um, and there's huge concern around digital marketing by parents, huge concern and quite and some concern by politicians, I think because it feels so sneaky and underhanded um, and it's not well understood. So there are high levels of concern around that. Uh, but uh, overall, I think we won't get necessarily get very far. question I have about... Um your country to see whether it matches up with ours. There have been occasions in the United States when government has been very slow to react to public health problems. Mm -hmm. uh, an example would, would be auto safety, where unsafe cars were a, a great concern in earlier years, and it wasn't government acting that really stimulated the change. It were, there were lawsuits filed by attorneys on behalf of plaintiffs who had mm -hmm. been injured in automobile accidents that really got a lot of this started. Um, and in the case with tobacco, some of the a lot number of these lawsuits by individual plaintiffs were filed, were largely unsuccessful. But mm. our legal authorities in the states, our state attorneys general, took action and had a very big impact on tobacco. Yes. But it was mainly through the threat of litigation that occurred. Does that opportunity exist in your country? Are people thinking about that at all? Well, uh, it's very interesting because out of a uh, some work, some litigation in tobacco control, the Cancer Council Victoria now has a centre called the McCabe Centre, and that will be looking at legal um, legal activities and, and legal strategies. Uh, and one of the things they'll be looking at is obesity, and it's going to be a global um, group. They already have done a lot of work around tobacco control. Um, and the money comes from a personal, a, a woman who um, sued a tobacco company in Australia. The decision was eventually overturned and, and, and she unfortunately died. But uh, the uh, law firm and her family have, and the, and, uh, the World Cancer, um, the International Union, uh, the World Cancer Group, have put um, funding in for this, this group. So I imagine um, down the track uh, there will be more work um, in this area and I think it does shine a light on the activities of industry in particular and that issue of discovery and, and you know we've, we've got a lot of um, ground out of the uh, documents that were uh, revealed um, during the um, settlement. So I think it is important but you really need the resources to do that and um, hopefully now we'll have some resources. 
So if listeners would like to find out more about what's happening on the issue of food marketing, I know you have at least one report. How can people get access to the information? Sure. We've got um, a lot of information on our website, www.opc.org.au. We have a Facebook page uh, as well. And all our submissions and all our media releases and our studies are all up there on on our website. So it's a very rich source of information, particularly aimed at a high level. So it's really for for academics, for um, students, um, and for people who are looking for for detailed information around advertising, how self-regulation works, that kind of thing. All our submissions are on there as well. Thank you. And I would imagine if people just search in the internet for Cancer Council Victoria, they'll be able to find this information. Would that be true? Yeah, the McCabe Centres has a website. Okay. So that's um, McCabe, mccabe.org.au. So information is there. And the OPC has its own um, website uh, dedicated just to our work. Okay, good. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Our guest was Jane Martin, Executive Manager of Alcohol and Obesity Policy at Cancer Council Victoria. Uh, Please visit our website, www.yaleruddcenter.org. And you'll find there a variety of resources available at no charge, of course, and a list of other excellent podcasts that have been recorded with visitors who have joined us. Thank you.